So welcome to another show. We've got Christian Horn on today, who is currently authoring some fancy books, but was also previously an opera singer as well as a life coach. So welcome to today's show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So good to be here. So uh, you're, you're now an author, but were previously an opera singer and, and a life coach. Can you just talk about that journey and, and why you were now writing books as opposed to the opera and, and the life coaching side of things? Yeah. So it's it's so funny because when I look back and I kind of take a step back and I look at the whole spectrum or the whole the whole life path, kind of like you said, um, storytelling is always a part of whatever it is that I was doing, um, either as, uh, you know, an opera singer before I was doing that, I was doing musical theater live and then, uh, you know, marketing uh, for as a life coach, that's all about telling a story and, and communicating really well to your clients and who you want to help. Um, and so uh, it's just, it's just been a kind of a crazy journey. Um, so yeah, when I was little, I loved performing um, and I wanted to do musical theater because, well, what I really wanted to do when I was little, little was I wanted to be a film actress. Um, but I grew up in a very small town, well, small for California and um, just decided I completely wrote that off. That wasn't, that wasn't possible for me. Um, so I was like, well, I'll do musical theater. And then the more I sang, because everybody always said, oh, you have such a beautiful voice. The more I sang, the more I took lessons with my grandma. She was my first voice teacher and she was an opera singer. And she was like, you need to do opera. And I was like, grandma, I don't want to do opera. <laughs> and then when I was applying for colleges, it turned out everybody wanted this classical repertoire. So I was like, okay, grandma, <laughs> what, what have you got for me? And so that's kind of where my opera journey started. I found an amazing voice teacher at uh, doing my undergrad um, for my bachelor's. And um, he really pulled me into his vision and passion for opera. And I have a very good work ethic. I work very hard and I have a good practice ethic, which is you know what you need to master the, the technique for opera. Um, and so I did very well, very quickly, um, and was able to make some pretty impressive sounds um, while I was still pretty young for an opera singer. And um, so I did that for 10 years. Um, it's like a couple years. Um, no. Yeah. Okay. So a couple years after I graduated, I was overweight. Um, I was super unhappy, lots of self-loathing. And one of my opera friends had gotten into uh, oh, an MLM. Oh, <laughs> but this is one of the good ones. Um, and so she helped me lose a bunch of weight. She was my first coach. Um, and then I got really excited because I was able to do it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to help other people do this too. Um, and that's kind of, so I started as a health coach and then I moved into life coaching and I, because I did, was doing a lot of thinking about the psychology of things. And I really wanted to, I got really passionate about helping a specific group of people, geeks and gamers, like those people that go, you know, they dress up, um, and they go to midnight premieres at the movies and they're all waving their lightsabers around. And that is me, that those are my people. And I, I, I'm so passionate still about helping them. Um, and I worked for seven or eight years. Um, as a life coach, working on the marketing, working on the, working on the niche, um, and working on my program, the tools that I wanted to put together and uh, develop for them, and it just flopped real hard. And kind of the entire time, it was another case of those. Somebody had a vision for me, so it's the same. It's that's also kind of a pattern for me. My voice first voice teacher had a vision for me and all this potential. And then my, my coach also had a vision for me and her coach had a vision for me and all of this potential. Um, and I got so swept up in their visions for me that I kept ignoring maybe what I wanted my vision for me to be. Cause I was just so busy telling myself that it was impossible. The film acting. Um, oh, I did. I hated writing in high school and in college, um, all of the rules and all of the shoulds. And it was all very noisy and cramped and, and, and it wasn't fun at all. Um, the one little bit of writing that I did when I was younger was poetry. For whatever reason, I was able to, I was able to do some poetry. And um, I guess bringing this all around, I got to my master's in opera performance and I was having technique issues um, where I just, there was a bunch of tension in my singing. And um, for anybody who's like familiar with like the chakras and stuff, like there's, you've got to 
primary chakra right here, your throat chakra. And that's very difficult to deal with as an opera singer if your chakra is all messed up. Um, and so, and, and it just, it wouldn't go away. And so I got to the end of my master's finally deciding, like, I'm going to take a break, I guess, because I don't know what else to do. It didn't matter. Like I, I, like I said, I'm a very good practicer. I, I take input very well. I was doing a lot of troubleshooting and nothing seemed to work. And so I finally decided to take a break right before COVID and then COVID uh, enforced the break a little bit longer <laughs> because nobody was singing live, let alone opera. Um, during COVID. And I started to tap into myself. I decided to get off of uh, social media during COVID, which seems like an insane idea. Um, but it gave me a lot of space, finally, for once after like 10 years, to listen to myself and what I really wanted. And then I started to realize I missed the character work, the getting into a character's mindset, figuring out who they are, why they behave the way they behave, why did they react the way that they react? What's, you know, how does their, their old family life influence how they're reacting in this, the play or the, the opera today in this moment, the one that we're witnessing on stage. And I always loved that work. And so I decided to apply all of that to my most recent Dungeons and Dragons game. <laughs> and there was my book. Just all of a sudden, I was I was working on my character's backstory, and and my book kind of just appeared to me, and I didn't even realize it at first. My husband looked over my shoulder at my laptop one day, and he said, "Those look like chapter titles," and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I just I had no intentions of publishing a book. I was just writing for fun to have some sort of creative outlet during COVID, because you know during COVID people can't tell you no, you can't write a book. <laughs> Be like, I'm, I'm writing. There's nothing to do. Um, and it was better than being on like scrolling through Facebook, being on social media. And that was what, three years ago now, three, four years ago. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm still the book turned into three. And so we're still working on it. And I, I brought a co-author on board. Um, he's the one that runs the game. And uh, it's just it's, it's a, I never, ever, 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 ever thought I would be uh, a writer like yeah. ever. It's, it's funny though because you've a couple of things you said there sort of really resonate with me one is the covid period so two yeah. things you said that happened to me exactly as well one is that i wrote a book during covid yeah so exactly the same That's a great thing. idea yeah <laughs> i mean i mean you're there and, and i think the, the thing with the covid situation is well first of all i'm a strong believer that something positive can come out of something negative regardless of yeah. how big negative is there will be something positive to come out of it and one of the positives okay. that's happened for not just both ourselves but society on the whole it's time to reflect to say is this the right job for me do i want to work from home more often what are the important things in my life where what direction am i heading as you said as well is it the vision someone else has given me my manager my ceo mm -hmm. society my family or is it a vision that i've actually decided to create myself and it's quite important to as you said be the master of your own ship and create your own life path yeah. so you worked as a life coach as well and you I talked did. about applying what you've learned to your own life but also to teach to others so what did you learn being a coach oh um I learned that because uh, because I you know as a life coach you go listen to other life coaches you get coached by other life coaches um and I'm still being coached like I that for my mental health I I get coached twice a week um it's a, it's a great program I love it um but what as a life coach what I learned is that marketing can be very challenging um and I'm trying to figure out how to how to express this um kind of concisely but also just accurately is if you have kind of any degree of insecurity in what you're selling, um, that's going to make things very difficult. That's for me. Um, and it was just kind of this underlying discord in, in the whole project. I knew that I was a good coach. I knew that I had really good ideas, really useful ideas for very, very important people that I think can change the world. Like I 100% believe in all those. But there was this 
seed of something is wrong and anything, any little thing that went wrong in trying to set up your funnel, right? Because um, if you don't know, setting up a funnel, like if you, you've got a program to sell, you want to help people with, then you have to do, you don't have to do anything, but I was doing Facebook ads to get the clicks and get people like give them the free ebook to like, offer them the program and any little part of like testing that, uh, or if I got like a negative comment, you know, the haters, you know, <laughs> there was a, there was a lot because I was working with a niche that most people don't like, wouldn't even consider trying to market to for life coaching. Um, and I took things very personally. It was very, it felt very vulnerable, very scary, which normally like those aren't necessarily contraindications. That's not necessarily something that means you need to pull away from this project. Um, there were just, it was so difficult to work through all of the challenges. Yeah. Like, right. And there are a lot of challenges and that again, is not necessarily a reason to quit or to stop. Um, you can work through those challenges. And I know that if I had kept going, I could have done it, but it got to the point where I just didn't want to. So I guess maybe that's the, like coming all the way around. Um, my coach talks a lot about doing things because of, of like a deep desire want, not the flitty, like, like surface level wants the deep desire wants. Yeah. Like I didn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It, it it didn't feel right. There's, I know I keep pointing to like my chest, but there was that feeling like in the center of my chest, like a heavy, just dis dissonance is yeah. the best way that I can put it. And um, yeah, those weren't the challenges that I wanted to work through, or at least for that, because the hysterical thing is now I'm facing marketing again, because marketing is everything um, for my book. And everything clicks, all of the advice that I got, all of the programs, like the, the marketing courses that I took, um, I'm able to use all of that now for my book. And I really couldn't care less if something goes wrong or if somebody says your book sucks or yeah. somebody's like, Hey, like this is stupid. Oh my gosh. So much cringe. Like I've gotten comments like that and I just don't care. That's, that's, and that's, that's such it's such a nice place to be in, right? Because yeah. because I was trying to get there for my life coaching and I never could. I couldn't even really get there for opera. Yeah. Um, you get that feedback on, on your singing and on like laying your soul like just to bear and people criticize it. And it's so difficult to deal with. And and I think that's you gotta it's 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 all about discernment right? Is figuring out. So that's another thing I think that I've learned is, is I've learned discernment or at least a little better. Um, yeah. I think my, my discernment uh, skill has leveled up. <laughs> um, and, and that has been invaluable really for the, you know, I'm only 30 ish years old. So now I've got, you know, I've got the rest of my life with this extra discernment skill of like, okay, great. This is awesome. Yeah. There's, there's loads of things there, isn't there? There's like, what are the fears that I'm subject to? Is it the fear of rejection, as you said, by negative mm -hmm. comments? Is it fear of insecurity or, or the insecurity comment you made rather? Is it down to authenticity? Are you right? Is it that you're not authentic yourself, authentically yourself, which means that you, you feel negative comments more than you, you should do? Is it imposter right. syndrome that you don't right. feel that you are, are worthy of that? And the challenges that you mentioned as well it's overcoming those challenges as you have done which makes you the person you are today yeah and the beauty of it as well is is today's the pace of today's world means that you can have a a life within a decade you can be a singer yeah. for a decade. <laughs> you can be a, a coach for a decade you can be a builder for a decade because of that fast-paced nature and the yeah. amount of information that's available online you can learn code in a month. You can yeah. learn trading in a month. Whatever. Not that you're going to be really good at it or, or anything like that, but you can at least start that process. Learn you the base learn, skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can write a book. And I think that's a really important important part. And what you a couple of things that you – well, you said it twice, basically. One is about the chakras and that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And the second was about your boyfriend, I think you said, where he said, are those chapter titles? 
Yeah. Something yeah, yeah. And and something that I don't think people can really put this into words, but something just feels right, doesn't it? Yes. About what you're doing or what people have said to you. Yep. So if we take your your life as a, a life path or or, or a, a hero's journey or a life journey, you're at this point now. Where do you where do you feel that that path's going to take you in the future, or is it a case of not knowing at this point? Well, I mean. I, I, I mean, I think I, I kind of like uh, you said, like finding everything just feels right. Um, and then uh, there's like the, this concept of alignment, right? And which I wasn't feeling with life coaching and I wasn't feeling as an opera singer. There were things like that I loved about those two vocations, um, and, but things that just weren't in alignment with me as an artist, with what I, what I wanted to do as a storyteller um, that I found just all it there's so much alignment in being an author for me as as just or just in writing um um kind of in contrast for the challenges that I faced as an opera singer and as um as a coach I see the challenges of as that that writers face and I'm like all in like I'm here for it and they don't feel as hard and so when I take a step back and I look at that I'm like I think this is what I'm meant to do. I think this is like, I literally, I could write all day, maybe not all day, but I could write a long time every day and be just thrilled because I just, it's just pure creative process. And I love it so much, especially getting to collaborate with my co-author. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's those, oh, 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 oh. So when it was a, as a coach, you're reading all of these entrepreneur books, right? All business books, everything. Um, and there was this concept of being the entrepreneur that, you know, got home from their nine to five and then worked till three in the morning, right? Not necessarily the hustle and grind idea, because that yeah. I'm not a huge proponent of. I, burnout is not good. Don't drive yourself to burnout. I did that a lot. Um, but having that drive, just wanting to, right? You want to do this so badly that you come home exhausted from your nine to five and you get back to work. This as a writer, that's the first time I've ever felt that. And acting actually, because right now I'm submitting a lot of self-tapes, auditions to do film acting as well. And these are the two areas that I, I could have zero energy and still somehow find more yeah. to do what I need to do for that day. And that to me is like, okay, this is it. Like this, this is where, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so I will probably in terms of like, where do I see this going? Like, I'll probably be doing this for the rest of my life. I have no, no intentions to ever stop writing Yeah, because it's just, it feels awesome. And I suppose I could get to the end of an arc of my life and that feeling could fade, but I don't think so. Um, and thankfully because of my journey, I think if that happens, it's not going to be the end of the world. Like I know what to do. I'll find something, some sort of outlet, something um, that will be in alignment with wherever that new phase is going. Yeah. Um, so that also is pretty priceless to have just kind of like that confidence, that certainty that like, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think pretty much I'm here. Uh, I'm going to be a writer. Like <laughs> I really want to be like the next, I know this is, this is like, um, shooting for the stars right but i want i want to be the next uh like release the next like harry potter sort of thing yeah. like i i like this story i've been reading my whole life um star wars books harry potter lord of the rings like everything i read so much and this is kind of my world and i look at this story that my co-author and i are are building and it's like this is good this is good storytelling um and there's a lot of bad storytelling going on right now <laughs> which is frustrating yeah. because they're coming out of like huge studios that have huge budgets. And I'm like, I know you could have found a better writer for this. I'm very passionate about this. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here as a storyteller, I think to stay. Um, and I'm just, I'm thrilled. And I'm also really curious to see how all of the previous endeavors kind of represent themselves and reintegrate themselves into what I'm doing next, because that's not going to go away. I'm still very passionate about trying about helping, you know, the geeks and gamers pull, pull themselves out of games and start applying 
what they do in video games to real life and solving like real life problems, because really the amount of determination and ingenuity in gamers is astounding. And if we can harness that and apply that to real world issues, oh my gosh, like just the amount of advances that we would make, it's it's just, it's insane. And so that passion, that's still there, right? And so it'll it's really something that I've learned as a writer, but particularly as a fantasy writer, is to kind of sit and listen and wait for my world <laughs> um, to talk to me. And so right now it's nice to be kind of also in that space for these other passions, singing um, kind of any style. And then also this these this group of people that I'm so passionate about helping and, and, and instilling that confidence in them. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that comes into play and and if if or when any of that will manifest and and how it will manifest in the future so yeah it's, yeah. it's a it's a wild place to be in i mean i've just made i've just made like 10 different bullet points there because yeah right. there's so many great things you've said there i think we'll start with the the writing side of things sounds to me like you're getting to flow state where you can write for Ooh, 100%. Hours and yep. you, you don't worry about burnout because if you mm -hmm. the reason you get burnouts because you are overworked and you're not in that creative state if you're in that creative state and you're doing something you love the chance of burnout is very very small it's negligible very small yes yep. if, you're, if you're doing a physical activity like sport obviously you know your muscles can really do so much yep and even your mind you know it does need a rest but in terms of that soul exhaustion i call it where it's burnout mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. get that because you are enjoying what you're doing and yeah, we, ch we change over time. You know, your passion might not be the same forever because you probably didn't foresee this five, ten years ago. And it's oh, definitely not. Where you as a character goes in your own story. Yeah. You want to be yeah. the protagonist and how that works. And I think you made a really good point as well with your old passions are finding a place within your new passions. And I call yes. it skill stacking. Yeah. You've got various skills and you are now an individual person with all of these skills to use in a, a very niche way that no one else has those set of skills mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if that makes sense so yes, yeah. let's let's talk about characters then because we've talked a little about you about your life path i want to touch on um lord of the rings i know that's that and oh, yeah. dragons <laughs> have been i'm not familiar with dungeon dragons too much but i am lord of the rings so we'll, we'll stick with that one we're going to yeah. talk a bit about the characters and and their life paths before we move on to your story a bit about your book and how you think about the characters and the complexities and mm. as you said what makes a good story and how you how you go about mm. telling it so mm. who's your favorite character then in lord of the rings sam samwise gamji samwise gamji because he's he's one of the the real heroes in some respects isn't he yes uh there's so much like there's a lot like not coming out but circulating on like Social media is my sister will send them to me because I'm not I'm not really on so I am on social media, but I don't like to go scroll. Um, but my sister will send me stuff and and um there's I think there's even a letter uh from Tolkien referring to Sam as kind of the main character. Like we we focus a lot on Frodo because he is the one that had to bear the burden and 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 do the very difficult thing. Um, but then you realize like, I, it's just this line from, especially from the, the way it was delivered in the movie is that Frodo wouldn't have gotten very far without Sam. And that is also, that's always been a huge theme um, for me in my life. It's like, I, I have few friends. I'm an introvert, so I have few friends, but they're very strong friendships. And that's something that's always been a very high value for me. And so seeing yeah. that in a book, um, that is just and in and, and, and a story. It's just like, ah, somebody gets it, right? And that's always been why I love reading. Um, and then um probably second to Sam, just 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 by a hair is Aragorn. And oh, just watching you got oh, I love it. You've got the same two characters as me. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, yeah. Watching I... watching Aragorn's uh character because what what's what's amazing about Sam is he is so steadfast the entire time, never wavers, never doubts. He is always there supporting Frodo 100%. He'll call Frodo, like he'll he'll ask questions when he's like, wait, are you sure? This doesn't sound like a good idea. And there's so much wisdom in Sam, simple wisdom, but wisdom nonetheless that we think, uh, so to kind of apply it to modern sensibilities, like we kind of think we're above it sometimes. Like, oh, we're smarter than that. It's like, no, no, no. 
<laughs> Tolkien's point is very clear. We're never above simple wisdom yeah. um, because there's just a strength to it. And then what, but Aragorn's character does progress, right? He goes from like wanting to play small, wanting to stay small. He's like, I don't want to go there. And for a very valid reason, I think that's something that we have to like pay attention to. Sometimes the reasons we give ourselves for playing small is valid or are valid, right? Like, like they're valid reasons. They're very scary. Aragorn did not want to repeat the mistakes of his ancestors. And they were catastrophic. So that's fair, I think. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to repeat those mistakes either. But that doesn't mean, like, like if, if you have the opportunity to take up the mantle and set things right, then do your best yeah. to make sure that you don't make the same mistake that your ancestors made and, and, and be better yeah. and do like, do the hard work and face the scary thing and be better. And there's, there's a lot of other things, like a lot of layers to Aragorn as a character. That's just one of them. Um, but that's, that's a huge one for me. That's it's, it resonates with me a lot. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing that I like about both those characters is their character traits. The fact that they're courageous, they're, they have integrity, they're noble Yes, they sacrifice for others, and they are protectors by nature. And I think they're the ones, the traits that I like most. I mean, I like all yeah. the characters. Don't get me wrong, because without they're all great the characters, you know, you don't have. You, I mean, even in stories, you need that idiot who you hate because <laughs> you you need so the films without that or stories without that. You haven't got that emotional hatred that gets you really boiled up inside. Yeah, if that makes sense. So, oh no, yeah. So so yeah, I think that with 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 those two characters, what, what okay, here's a question then. So they favor two characters. What key parts of the story do you feel that they show their best traits in the best way? Oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, so Sam, <laughs> uh, well, there's so there's that moment in in Return of the King where Sam, the the worst has happened. Sam has been abandoned. Gollum has managed to convince Frodo that Sam is trying to steal the ring or is trying to sabotage things. Yeah. Um, and Frodo abandons Sam, and says, "Go home," and Sam you know, finds the Lemba spread, right? And, 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 and turns around and goes back. And he, Sam is the reason that they succeeded. But like, period. There's no, there's, there's just no arguing that. And it like, so that, that moment when Sam is hurt and had every right to go home and say, fine, I gave you everything and you just basically threw it in my face. And he turns around anyway, because he's like, he's got just, because he's amazing. <laughs> but that, that sense of loyalty and steadfastness. And uh, I think loyalty right there is the, the bright shining. Um, but also like, no, we're going to finish the thing. We're going to do this. We're going to see this through. Um, but I think ultimately really it comes down to love for Frodo. He just, he loved his friend so much that, and he knew that Gollum meant ill and it, it, it didn't matter what it was going to cost Sam. He was going to go back to save his friend. That, so that moment, that's a huge moment for me with Sam. And then for Aragorn, The moment that pops, there's so many good moments for, for all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the, oh, so, so I'll, I'll tell you the first one that popped into my head is actually at the very end. Um, and it's when everybody's kneeling to Aragorn because he's the, at, at the coronation. Love it. And then he asks, he tells the, the, uh, the hobbits to stand back up. He says, you kneel to no one. And then he kneels to them. And that's just like, like just Goosebumps so moment. much humility and grace and like you said nobility 
And those are just, I know those are both later moments. There's so many good moments for both characters throughout the whole thing. But those two moments were the first ones that came to mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a great film. And it's, fantasy is, is its own genre. But even people who don't like those sort of books or films love Lord of the Rings. What is it do you think yeah. that makes it so good? Is it the storytelling? Is it the characters? It's What is it exactly? Okay. It's gonna. This is gonna get a little philosophical, I think, but that's because Tolkien at his at Tolkien like was a very religious man. He's he was Catholic. He believed in so many of these um, truths um, that he believed were universal, universal goods and universal evils and universal like uh, combat and battles between them, right? And that's what he instilled and distilled in his storytelling. And I think that's why I think there are there, whatever you believe that he was tapping into these universal ideas that everybody gravitates to. And is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I think that's why I think he really tapped into, um, uh, it's like he, the, the word he uses is myth. And I recently saw a little tidbit on this, um, about how most people use the word myth as something, uh, uh, fictional right? Oh, oh, it's the myth or the myth of this or the myth of that. And Tolkien actually used the word very differently. He used the word to, to refer to the universal truths that like, like you couldn't articulate any other way, um, except to kind of create some, some, some fantasy or fiction around it because that pulled it out of kind of the real world context so that everybody could understand it. And that's that's why I think just in a nutshell, why I've always adored fantasy, um, because you still get to wrestle with these very real world values and conflicts and and problems. But you get to wrestle with them out of the context of the real world where like the real world, because we've got prejudices, right? We look at something we're like, oh, well, I don't trust that because this person said it or I don't trust that because it came from this news source or whatever. And sometimes that, like I said, like that's valid. Um, but when you, when you pull it out and you, and you put it in a fictional world, it's like, it gives us space to consider the thing itself more objectively, strangely enough, as much emotion and storytelling as goes into them, um, you get to really consider the thing. And I think uh, that has been a big, um, bonus to growing up reading fantasy. Um, because I think it has allowed me to be be a more empathetic person, understand these concepts, whether I've experienced them personally or not. I, on 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 some level, like I've I've seen it, I've witnessed it because reading is such an intimate thing. So, do you think there's like specific philosophical ideas, or like a uh, not a cheat sheet so much, but like a, a structure or a process? That like a little bit like the hero's journey. I don't know if you've seen the hero's journey um wheel. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like call to adventure, mm-hmm. you know, mentor, um understands that he's got to go through challenges, etc., and then returns home as a new person. That mm-hmm. aside, because I think that's pretty obvious that this, you know, most famous stories are a hero's journey, as you said. You Harry can see Potter. that in Frodo very easily. Yeah. yeah. But is yeah. there anything else? I know you mentioned the religious side of things that specifically that the listeners would be able to tangibly remember, oh, I remember this in, in the film and what what that sort of idea is, essentially. Um, It's been a long time since I've... Uh, oh, well, I mean, there's, I mean, the, the, there's really simple ones. There's a lot of like, are you want to get into like the religious ones specifically? Yeah, whichever, yeah, whichever is comfortable. Oh, oh, um, because like, well, so yeah, Tolkien was like deeply Catholic. Um, and so there are a lot of analogs um, between Jesus Christ and um, Aragorn, tons of them. I can't remember a, a lot of the specifics. Um, but if you're if you're familiar with you know um, Judeo Christianity and and then you can go back and like um, um, I mean him him being the king like he, like hiding and or I mean Jesus never really hid but um, he did have moments where he was like this is not my time this is not my time and then there was a very specific trajectory and so kind of Aragorn's process is a little different 
Um, but eventually, you know, like he is the, you know, the prophesied king and he he arrives there at the end um, to rule Gondor and hopefully lead humanity in a better direction. Um, uh, it's, it gets much deeper than that. I'm not an expert, but I, uh, the, um, and then uh, the easier one though is probably, um, oh, what's his name? Gandalf. Gandalf falls, he dies, and then he he literally dies, and then he is resurrected. He's no longer Gandalf the Grey, he's now Gandalf the White. So that's that's a pretty um that's pretty explicit. I think <laughs> explicit one of one of the ones for me that has just come to mind now is the the metaphor of obviously we can talk about good and evil, all of that, but if I mm. think of Sauron, the the deceit to mm-hmm. control a wide Populous through a very small number of people. If we mm-hmm. look at the world today, I see a lot of similarities with with how the world is. Well, also Sauron, uh, great. I hadn't even thought about Sauron, but um, uh, Sauron manipulating the mortal races with power, just like like it's a very sinister. Like here you go, you can have power. And then they all basically like end themselves because they become greedy. They 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 start fighting over the power. They all fall because of this, like very like here you go. It's going to be great, except for the elves because the elves are basically perfect in Tolkien <laughs> in Tolkien's world, um, which is fine. Um, but it just, uh, it just shows you just power power's relative though, doesn't it? Because when the rings were given out, they had control over let's say they're populous in some respects, but yeah. then there was this one ring that had control yep. of people with those rings. And it's like right. a businesses or, you know, you might be, you might be the, the, a ring holder in your own house. Yeah. You might be the boss right. of your own house, but when you step out to your workplace, you know, you drop down the wrong. Right, right. And then if you go to, you know, somewhere else out the country, then again, you fall down. It's, it's, yeah. it's as you said, there's so many layers to the book. So how so do you, many layers. how this do is- you, create because you're obviously an author now you're writing a number of books mm-hmm. yeah we'll talk about the story in a second but how how do you actually simplify the complexity of a story like that into something you can write do you plan it on like a big whiteboard and look at it in that way or is it just a case of having the idea and, and writing it obviously with your co- co-author as well yeah so um there there are two uh, kind of uh, t- two sets of authors, sort of. Um, and I'll use the terms that I was taught, but I think there are more sophisticated terms for them than this. There are plotters and there are pantsers. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, pantsers is kind of a derogatory kind of. Um, and it's more like, cause so um, Stephen King is a is a pantser. Um, he's a, he discovers the story as he's writing. That's, um, and then the plotters are the ones that do the whiteboard thing, right? They yeah. they, they outline everything and they, they get all the little details in line and then they start writing. Um, and then the good ones will allow things to change. Um, I was studying with a, uh, an amazing uh, plotter um, there for a little bit. And I read a couple of his books and um, like he's very intelligent writer um, and very good um, at, at really delivering what readers want out of a story. Um, but he's very analytical and very cerebral about it. So I am not that. Like I do get cerebral. I think some of the analytics that ha- that has to come in into into play um, because otherwise you end up with plot holes. You end up with uh, I mean plot holes. They they don't things that don't make sense. Characters act out of character or they do something and it's just so you have to. Be, it requires a lot of awareness. But for me, um, I just start asking questions. I don't know why this became my process, but I think I think it's probably because of um, well, first of all, kind of the 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 set in the context of D- Dungeons and Dragons. Me as a player asking the the DM or the game master, uh, the guy who's running and creating the world, I just ask him a bunch of questions. Be like, okay, what about what about this or what about this or what about this? Um, and so I just started asking a bunch of questions, both to him, my co-author, and to myself. Um, and that's where it all started. I think it also kind of goes back to how I used to create characters when I was doing um, uh, shows, you know, musical theater, opera, um, and digging in. You just you just have to start asking these questions and figure out where can I find the information for this and 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 begin to embody a real person, as fictional as they are. That my job is to make them real. 
And what I love about writing is that's just, that's the whole gig is figuring out how to make these people real people, not make, but allow them really to be real people. Oh my gosh, I keep hitting my mic. Um, And allowing the world to be real, like a living, breathing world. And then the challenge, like you said, is to like narrow that focus and narrow the scope into telling one story. Um, and kind of like the initial question is there, it's just like, okay, well, what happens? And, and that question won't work for everybody. It really depends on how you think about the writing process. Um, I am so appreciative of Stephen King and cause I read his fantasy epic, the dark tower series, um, way back. And there's, there was a way that he talked about writing in, in, in that book. And then in his book on writing, um, he talks about just like kind of, I mentioned earlier, just allowing the, like allowing yourself to discover the world and allowing the world to speak to you almost like, like you are the conduit for your world to manifest in ours. And so there for me living in that space, the pressure to create or to come up with something interesting, non-existent. I die. Like I, I have no judgments. Like, like I, the, oh, this is what happens in the story. And so that like that I clashed a little bit with um, the other guy, the other writer whose books I was reading um, because he talks about, you know, um, making different decisions um, and, and changing the story if it's more powerful or more gut-wrenching or something. And for me, that felt too contrived. They're like, I, I, I sure, like I could keep asking the world, be like, well, what if something else happened? And I think like our world, right, there are multiple timelines pretty much in any world, Um, like decisions, one decision leads you down one path. And if you had made a different decision there, you'd go down another path. Or if you'd made a third decision there, it goes down, right? So it's lots of branches and spider webbing, right? Um, And so I think that's true for my world, but I'm not going to change it just because I think it might sell better or might be more interesting or might like be like, no, I'm pretty sure this is just what happens. And if a reader likes it, great. And if they don't, oh, well, this is I, I, this is what I think happens in the story. And then sometimes that has to change because something else like kind of is revealed to us. And we're like, oh, well, that doesn't line up here, but this is more important. We think this is more true. And so then we have to go back and make sure that everything stays lined up. And so I don't know if I answered the question, but basically to avoid overwhelm, try to bring you like try to narrow your focus in one moment one moment at a time and then you just you stay in that moment but it is a lot of zooming in and zooming out and zooming in and zooming out and zooming in (laughs) does that make sense yeah no it does (laughs) and and as you said you either get the panthers or or, or those who basically plot the story out themselves so um you've talked a lot there well you mentioned it probably four or five times my world can you talk about the world in the world of the book because obviously as we said you know you've got the lord of the rings world you've got harry potter's world yeah your world and then we'll talk a bit about the the story behind or or the plot of the story in in some respects without giving too much away yeah so um so one of the inspirations that we take from tolkien is we try to be very thorough with our world world building and i cannot remember my husband would be so ashamed of me Uh, i can't remember the whole world's name for tolkien because it it does exist um but you know we've got we're more familiar familiar with the term middle earth like we we love going to middle earth we love being there um it's why they keep making new stories so that we can go back to middle earth um so our world is called urda u-r-d-a um and it's uh little by little we're filling it out so right now it's like um it's a disc world so it's flat and it's round uh, well flat and round but you know what i mean so it's it's flat but it's a disc um and it's got a world tree in the center so right off the bat you we, you can see the influences from like yggdrasil um which you know is the world tree um so we've we've taken kind of that idea but then changed it a little bit which is kind of the um you could just say that about every decision that we've made. It's like, okay, we've, we see this influence in, and in what we want to do with our story. And then we tweak it a little bit, um, which has just been so much fun. Um, so yeah, there's, it's like, it's, it's a disc world. There's a world tree. What else is there? Um, we, oh, our, uh, so we've got elves cause it's a fantasy world. We've got elves, we've got dwarves, we've got, 
Um, we've got halflings, but ha these halflings are very, very different. And there's not a lot in our first trilogy. So if you love halflings, great. Like follow us because they will come into play, but they're not in our first trilogy. <laughs> this first trilogy focuses a lot more on the humans and the interactions with the humans and the elves. Um, and set in a very particular uh, time, uh, the the elves like had a big forest, but then some terrible catastrophe happened and their forest shrank. And so now the the, the moment in time for our first trilogy is um, the, the smaller elven forest kind of dealing with kind of an England analog that we, that we call Gresha. Um, and uh, yeah, it's that's 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 kind of the little bit of the setting for the for the first trilogy. And then um, like it's a fantasy world. And if you're familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, we've got um, these things called aberrants or aberrations. Um, we've moved away from because originally when we started writing this, we were going to try to get the license from Pi uh, not Paizo. That's Pathfinder. Um, we were, uh, oh, my gosh. Wizards. We were going to we were going to pitch it to wizards and try to get the license to use all of their all, all of their creatures. But then thankfully, my co-author, he is amazing and he just can create different creatures and monsters. And, um, and so we decided to move away where we're doing all like non-copyrighted stuff and just kind of creating our own um, creatures and monsters and redoing everything, which has been so much fun. Like right now we're working on um, developing um, in, in Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think this, this is super true in, in Lord of the Rings, uh, but there's these things called like dryads and naiads, like, right, like wood spirits and water spirits. So we're kind of working on that race right now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's just been super fun. If you know, if you think you know, like what elves are and how they should behave, like, and, or, or if you're like dying for something different, come check us out. Cause like, it just, we, we just have so much fun. And that's been another influence, um, from like my readings as a co as a coach, um, I learned a lot about like cultures and values, right? If you follow Tony Robbins, you know, you, 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 he talks a lot about values and how your values influence you. A lot of people talk about that, but that's one of his like primary um, pillars, I think. And so I got into, I was like, okay, well, let's start with this culture's values and how does that show up and how does that manifest? And like, and then, so why do they do what they do? And so we did that for like, we have like six, basically six different races of elves, not just elves and they're all very diverse and interesting and different um which has been just just so much fun so it's, it's, yeah anything creative like that is all is always really fun isn't it to get involved in like, oh you know we can play around with this and move this yes build, yep. building that lego house really out of out of words and what's in your mind so you've you've, you've designed the world you, you you sort of know where the the story is going to take place have you got the plot of the story and, oh yeah and yeah the first draft for our trilogy a, can you give a bit of an insight as to what that is and 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 the sort of intricate not necessarily intricacies because obviously you don't want to give too much about the book away yeah. But yeah, yeah. what the sort of story outline is in some respects yeah yeah so so our the first drafts for our trilogy is they're they're done um things will 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 tweak things a little bit book one needs the most work which is why it's difficult to give kind of like a publishing date uh, because we, we we work on book one and we get to book two and book three and we're like, oh my gosh, this is all so much better. And then we have to go book, go to book one and fix everything <laughs> um, or fill it all out, right? Um, so, um, oh, general plot. Yeah, so uh, our, the, our we've got two protagonists. Um, one is a monster hunter. Um, she's loosely based on the ranger class from Dungeons and Dragons. So kind of like Aragorn um very very attuned with nature really good with a bow um and she's a monster hunter and she loves hunting down these terrible aberrant monsters that are threatening um the basically her country um and she's very good at it um and she's very abrasive and very kind of a firebrand and she gets into a lot of trouble um but she's also very like convicted um and she hates politics and the big city that she lives in is basically run by politics because like most big cities are and um she's trying to fight the both the 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 outer corruption of the aberrant monsters but also the inner corruption of the city um and so she just does not play political game with anybody and that ends up making her very valuable um to 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 hire um because that particular city right now 
or in the in the time of the book is seeing a transition of power from the old kind of like the nobles having all the power and getting all of the say to the merchant class getting all of the power and so they're they're fighting um at the time of the book and so she's kind of just a a, a mercenary founds herself finds herself in the middle of that and just has no patience for any of it <laughs> because she's looking at all of the people who need help and she's like you guys are fighting over stupid stuff like just help the people and so she she makes she makes that her business to do and then the second part of it um so a lot, there's a lot uh, in that city and the city dynamics um and that's a large part of the plot is her interacting with the political powers um basically through books one and three and then the second half is, like I said, the elves um, kind of come into play when it, something happens in book one where she needs to go commission some very fancy arrows um, from an elf who is very good at making arrows. And so she goes and she meets him and then he's like, well, you're weird and different and interesting because he's 300 years old and he's bored, basically. <laughs> With his... his uh, people's particular way of doing things um and so the 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 other half of the trilogy is um basically a love story them them figuring out a relationship and figuring out is it going to work can we stay together because they're very different people and she does not fit in into his society really well at all um this this particular set of elves is fairly typical to Tolkien elves, um, but the but the we uh, the rest of them are are very different, and we introduce and they they're also they've got some differences too. Um, it's kind of like you know you give them a little bit of the same, and then to ease ease them in um, to to being uh, you know they're not carbon carbon copies if that if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we've got that dynamic, and then he ends up being also a very important figure. He's basically their religious leader. So that's like one of the things like I like to say is like, oh, if the you know elven pope falls in love with a pagan hunter, like what yeah, happens? The, yeah, the opposite end of the scale in some in some respects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's a really fun dynamic, and there's it's a very um, uh, what's oh gosh, there's a lot of um. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Um, it's a lot of internal monologue, right? So a lot of very, um, not cerebral, but um, very much paying attention to uh, the characters, their thoughts, like as crazy as some of those thoughts are, and then why they react the way they react because of what their inner monologue is telling them. And a lot of, um, I guess, a psychological a very psychological component because you know my influences as a coach but also as an actor um that's that's everything right is is their history their past traumas um uh their you know family situation like what's going on and it just all comes together and it's this big tangled mess but then you know there's the dissonances and the the consonances and it's just it's it's all very it's it's amazing i love it i love it so much it's like piecing together a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? You've got all of these yeah. pieces, you know, the 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 world itself, the characters, the, the 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 elves, the different traits, and it's trying to make sure, that, as you said, it's coherent but also yeah. exciting at the same time. Is yeah. that is that the the interesting part, the exciting part, and also the difficult part, all all in the same same vein? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Like I said, it's like a lot of zooming in and then zooming out, right? It's almost like composing a piece. Um, and then that's, that's you know, all of my classical music training has been coming into, um, in, in handy because our elves are very musical. Um, so there's like, uh, we like to say it's fantasy. So their souls are made of sound. Um, and they're all from like different, they're, they're deities. There's like one deity per clan, right? And so they, and so they all like, part of the world building was like, okay, this clan doesn't like this clan because their notes, their individual notes, because we haven't like written out which notes are which. Um, these notes are very dissonant, at least to our ears. Um, so this clan doesn't like this clan. This clan does like this clan because that's a nice harmony um, in music. And it's just, it's been so much fun to play with. Oh. So, because I've I've written one book, which is a nonfiction self-help book. Yeah, and yeah. Another book about questions and how to ask myself or how to ask ourselves yeah. questions to yes. see if you want to be in. Good questions, whatever. too. 
Yeah, questions. Good are, questions. Without without yeah. asking the right questions, we can't get the right answer. And my exactly. question to you would be because I have considered writing a non-fiction book at some sorry a fiction book at some point. Yeah. How would I start? Where Where would you say that I would start from? Would it be having an idea of an ending and working backwards? Would it be as you said, creating the world? Where Where would you think I would start? Because someone, someone said to me actually, they said, "Oh, you should write a, a fiction book." I was like, "To be honest with you." Number one is I read more non-fiction than fiction books. Yeah. And two, I wouldn't know where to start. So maybe you you might be able to give me some give me some pointers. Do you have an idea? No, okay. No, not um, yet. No. Yeah, so there so for me, it did start with an end because this these okay. first three, three three the this first story is my character's backstory. Okay. So the okay. end yeah. was they get together, they have this kid, and that's my character. So spoilers. <laughs> okay. Um, but so I I did start with an end. Um, and then I just started asking questions from there. How did they get there? Right. Okay. And you can you can ask um, yeah, and you just ask a lot of follow-up questions, like, well, what happened there? Oh, how does that work out? Well, what if this, especially for things that don't make sense? Those are like the best opportunities. Like, I think a lot of people look at things that don't make sense and they freak out. They're like, ah, I'm a terrible author. This is awful. Um, it's like, no, look at those and like, and, and, and face them and be like, get curious about them. Be like, how well, A, does it really not make sense? B, how could it make sense? Or C, like, how could you change it? That's true. Like just, yeah. So and allowing kind of, and then going back to that discernment idea, is figuring out what are the important points. Because there are, there were like fixed, like in Doctor Who, he talks about fixed point in time. Um, and so we've had fixed points in in, in our story um, for a long time. And so those, those don't change. But almost the, but there are very few of those. And so everything else is pretty fluid. Um, you just kind of allow for that flexibility. Um, to uh, allow the world to like reveal itself to you more and more or the story, um, not even just the world. Um, so where would I start? I, me personally, I started with the end, um, but it's, it's also going to depend on kind of your creative style. Um, there was a story I wanted to tell. There was like, and there were, um, Like that's the simplest way of putting, but there was also, there were messages within that story that I was very passionate about communicating well um, to, you know, just other readers. Um, and so that's, those are my, um, I don't know if lodestone is the proper, is the proper term for that, but those are kind of like my guiding, guiding lights. I was okay. kind of, if I, if I get lost, which is very rare, I come back to those We're like, okay, well, what is, you know what's ultimately like most important about telling this story like the checkpoints in the story basically you kind of yeah off in the countryside for a second <laughs> yeah, you need to get back on the road and go to the next junction basically yeah 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 so, and, um, then, and then allowing for that too though sometimes the detours they fill out the world so we don't yeah. delete that we just it just might not make it into the book it exists yeah. 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 Um, is, is the book in chronological order or is it like? Yes. So it isn't chronological. So it's telling the story until a point in time as opposed to there are prequels and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So in book one, there are a couple of flashbacks as okay. things currently stand. Okay. Um, because we wanted to dive into the story at a particular point. And then we wanted to show how these particular characters came together. Kind of like there was an episode of Firefly. If I don't know if you watched it. It was a sci-fi show. Um, and it only got one yeah. season and it was amazing. But there's this episode where um, it it pieces, it tells you a story, but basically through flashbacks. We don't do the whole thing, but like we, we took some inspiration from that. At least, like I said, as things currently stand, I think that will stay. Okay. Um, but book one right now is it will see the most changes. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's all it's all chronological. So I know that you've not you said that you haven't got a date yet for when the books are going to be out because you're doing the yeah. drafting, etc. Um, but if people are going to wait and look out for this book, 
Um, I'm sure you probably haven't got a title yet, or have you? And if you've not oh, got a title, yeah. have you got your author names or pen names that you're going to be using for the book? Yeah, and actually, what we're doing right now is because we have been my co-author and I we're we've been such big nerds ourselves um, <laughs> and big readers. Um, what we decided to do was release our chapters for free. Um, so the the trilogy is called The Bell and the Bow. Um, we don't have like individual book names yet. We're still workshopping those. We're pretty sure the first book will be called Overstrung, which is an archery kind of kind of has the archery feel feel. Um, so uh, yeah, the Bell and the Bow. And if you want to go check out the books, like if you like fantasy, if you like Lord of the Rings, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, um, and you like to read, um, you can read our chapters now for free. And one of the things that we would love to do is kind of collaborate with the fandom. Um, and get some feedback like hey what did you like what didn't you like like what are the questions that you have now because again this is our first book so our our well, <laughs> books um and and um we're just kind of curious like this is a chance to for a fandom to kind of have input on a book before it's published which we I love that idea and if anybody else is doing that please let me know because I would love to <laughs> love to go participate in that um, but yeah, it just, um, so if you, yeah, uh, sorry, sorry. I'm so scattered right now. World of Orda, that is our website. So okay. world W O R L D of O F Orda U R D A, uh, .com is our website where our, po we're posting our chapters there. And then we're also posting our chapters on a website called Wattpad, which is basically social media for writers, okay. writers and readers. Uh, so Wattpad is W A T T P A D. Um, and then we're also posting our chapters on Patreon. Um, and uh, the patrons get the chapters about a month early and then we get their feedback and we make little changes and then they go public. Um, so, but you can still read them there for free. And then uh, we're on social media and that's the same uh, same handle pretty much everywhere, World of Orda. Um, so primarily we focus on like our, our content right now does best on like TikTok and YouTube, YouTube shorts because we do a lot of videos. Um, but we're, we post everywhere, Instagram to, uh, Twitter. Yeah. That's, that's good. Cause it's, you're building a little community as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I love, I love community. It's just, it's so much fun to interact with people and to chat and have that collaboration. Um, so if that sounds like something you would enjoy, then yeah. come on down. <laughs> uh, and you're also building that suspense for when the book comes out. It's like Netflix, for example, I watched, um, the last kingdom, the, 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 the mm -hmm. new film of seven Kings. And mm -hmm. it's that suspense of, oh, this is a date that's coming out in a month or two months' time. Mm -hmm. Here's a, a trailer for it. And you're like, oh, shit. You're then invested yeah. at that point. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, I wonder what happens. And you, that, that's when the, the interest starts. Yeah. 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 So book one is all released now. You can go read book one. Um, and again, remember, that's going to see the most changes. So um, if you know, let us know what you want to see. Um, or what questions you have, you know, from book one that you want answered for sure in book two and three. Because we think we know, right? We're, we, we, do, we do our best to anticipate any questions that readers would have and be like, okay, what questions do we want to answer? Um, or make sure what questions are important to get answered, right? Um, so book one is all released um, and we're working on book two right now. But our, our pace slowed like a little bit because we started doing more in-depth rewrites as we went along. Um, so, but we're still releasing chapters regularly. So, how long? Yeah. How long are the books roughly? Like in terms of pages? Oh, I don't know because they keep getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, book one is the smallest, um, and that, I think that's fine. Um, and book two, like a, like book two and three, they're just like they're they're. I, I'm not the numbers person. My co-author is the numbers person, so he could give you the word count. Okay. <laughs> I cannot remember, but they're, they're, they're fairly sizable reads, I, which I would love. Like I, as a reader, I'm just like, yes, give me more. Um, so a few hundred pages probably per book. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not a novella then more of a novel. No. Yes. Three novels. Yeah. Novels. Okay. Yeah. That's what three I was novels. trying to get Cause you were like, oh, we've gone back and we've added in this. And, and that's, yes. not, that's yeah. my, like you said about questions. I thought, okay, well, how long is this book then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three novels. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, fantastic. Is there anything else about the books that you would like the the the, the listeners to know? Oh, 
I don't know. I just, uh, mostly just like, yeah, if you enjoy it, let us know if there's, if you have an issue with it, like if, uh, let us, we're actually mostly interested in like questions and criticisms, believe it or not. Um, like we, we want input uh, on this. And so if that sounds like a fun collaborative, uh, opportunity, um, for you then yeah just come on and join us join the ride uh and then like if you like lord of the rings and dungeons and dragons right now we're releasing new content where we discuss some of our favorite books uh that we've read and how they've influenced our writing um and so we talk a lot about you know the book that we're talking about but then we you know go over and we talk about our book as well so just if you're interested in the writing process at all or the creative process and how this all comes about um yeah that's 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 what we're talking about Fantastic. Well, I've really enjoyed listening to you talk about your book and Lord of the Rings yeah. and your own personal journey as well. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll obviously put on the notes the the the, the name of the uh, well yeah the, yeah the, the, the where you can people can reach out and, and read the parts of the book etc. Um, the author names are they going to be in your both your real names or is it going to be a pen name? Yeah, I think we're just going to do our real names. I we we both have screen names because um, we both do a lot of online gaming. Um, but we, okay. I think we're just going to go, you know, I'm Kristen Horn and then Jacob Wise. So those okay. are, those will be our author names. That's yeah. how people can look out for if, if, for example, you decide to change the name of the first book from Overstrung to, to something else, for example. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That, that's great. Yeah. And um, everything will be under World of Orda. That's, that's staying. Okay. World that's of staying for sure. Yeah. Order, dot, dot com. Yeah. And then the trilogy is called The Bell and the Bow. That's also, that's, that's pretty set. Okay, but okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I'll put the notes up. Well, the links. Well, you can send me all the links. I'll I'll put them on the yeah. notes. Yeah. Um. And it's been great having you on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been Thanks so for... good to be here. It's a great oh. conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think it has inspired me to maybe write, maybe look at writing my own at some point. But yeah. I need to. Yeah. I need to think of an idea first. <laughs> yeah. So thanks. Yeah. For... It's just coming coming back down to like what's what's the story you want to tell. That Tell's can be a fun heart. question to start with. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Kristen. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.